Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Can you guess what this event is? Here goes. 50,000 people, a great crowd of men and women and children, have assembled, they're gathered together in one place. Pure, raw excitement fills the air. The atmosphere is electric. Everyone is on their feet. In fact, this crowd remains standing for over four hours, sometimes cheering, sometimes agonizing. And at the end of the day, 50,000 people give a great shout of joy as they make their exit and return to their homes. Have you guessed the event that I'm referring to? It's not Game 7 of the World Series. It's not the Super Bowl. It's not the Hermantown Hawks winning another state championship this year. It's not even the National Youth Gathering. But you're getting warmer. No, this event was a church service held in downtown Jerusalem in 445 B.C. That's 2,467 years ago. And the people stood not for a hymn, not for a praise song, not for a sermon. The people stood for half the morning as they listened to the Bible being read. As they listened to the prophet Ezra reading from the first five books of the Old Testament. And by the way, our very own worship practice of standing during the gospel reading comes from this text, from a service held 24 centuries ago. People standing, people showing respect, not to the pastor, not to the person uh, reading the lessons. No, people showing respect to the word of God. Now, I hope you're asking yourself, well, what in the world was going on in the world back in 445 B.C.? Why were 50,000 people so excited to hear the word of God read to them that they abandoned their padded pews and stood on their feet for an entire morning? Well, wouldn't you like to know the answer to that question? I know you would, okay? So look out, there's a dose of Old Testament history uh, coming your way, and there's nothing you can do about it, all right? So pay attention, put on your history hats. Here's the deal. God's people, the nation of Israel, had been naughty. After centuries of abandoning the true God, their God, for every false deity under the sun, God had had enough. He was done. He would now spank his people using other nations and world history as his spanking paddle and spank them God did. Let's look at it. So in 722 B.C., the Assyrians conquered northern Israel. Ten out of the 12 tribes of Israel, gone. 605 B.C., history happens, right? The Babylonians conquer the Assyrians. There's also a battle between the Babylonians and Judah. Judah loses. The Babylonians start taking Israelites into slavery 600 miles away in Babylon. 597, Judah loses another battle with Babylon. More people taken away as slaves. 
587, Jerusalem loses another battle. Jerusalem, the city, its walls, the temple destroyed. This time, 50,000 people taken away to Babylon uh, as slaves. History happens. 539, the Persians conquer the Babylonians. 538, King Cyrus, the Persian king, he allows the Jews to leave, to leave and return to their homeland. 516, the temple is rebuilt. 445, Nehemiah, Nehemiah rebuilds Jerusalem's walls. And back then, you really didn't have a town until the walls were done. And then our text, 445, Ezra leads the wall dedication service. Whew! There will be a quiz during coffee hour. Okay, no, there won't. All right, so now that you know, you know some of that history, hopefully this text begins to mean a little bit more. Now you understand why those 50,000 returnees from slavery who gathered for worship that day were so excited. And really, there's three reasons for their excitement. Reason one's pretty obvious. They're finally free. They're finally safe, free and safe, back home again. Reason number two, Ezra the prophet had in his possession the word of God. Okay, now to us, you know, that doesn't seem like a big deal. Bibles are everywhere. But this was huge because 142 years earlier, the temple in Jerusalem had been burned to the ground, destroying, most believe, all of the Torah scrolls which were the first five books of Moses, which was essentially the Old Testament Bible. Well, this was a devastating loss. Gone was Jewish history, their worship rules, their worship practices, all of God's promises. It would be like losing not only the original U.S. Constitution, but every single copy of the Constitution in existence. And yet, one copy of God's Word survived. Did you know that in the Quran, it has a phrase that it uses to describe Muslims, uh, Jews, Christians, anyone who subscribes to the first five books of the Old Testament. The Quran calls these people al-al-kateb, okay? Al-al-kateb, or the people of the book. So can you imagine how excited that crowd of 50,000 in our text became these people of the book, where they see, you know, Ezra unrolling this scroll, that he has the real thing, the real McCoy, a copy of God's Old Testament word. And it sounded like this. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. They bowed their heads. They worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Of course they did. I mean, many of them had only heard the word of God quoted from memory from their parents or their grandparents. For decades, the word of God had been reduced to oral tradition. But now they're hearing one of God's legit prophets reading from the true word, the genuine article, the real McCoy. And they were listening with their own ears. And the Holy Spirit was doing what the Holy Spirit does with God's word, doing things to their hearts. What a great day for the people of the book. 
All right, reason three. There is a reason three why those folks were so excited that day. It was this. God still loved them. Okay, so remember, they're standing there for hours listening to God's law, God's commandments, God's yeses, God's no's. You know, you shall have no other gods before me. Shall take the name of the Lord your God in vain. All of God's rules and their consequences. And God's law did what God's law does. You know, and all of those people remembered you know, why their nation had gone down the tubes. They remembered why it was God had allowed them to suffer for 142 years. It was their fault. It was their sin. They let God down and not the other way around. You know what those people did? Their hearts broke. They repented of their sins before God. Our text puts it this way. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And then here comes the good part. For God absolutely delights in repentance when it comes from a broken and sincere heart. This always catches God's attention. It's one of God's most favorite things because it gives God a chance to love. It gives God a chance to show who he really is and what he's really all about. It gives God a chance to forgive. And whenever God forgives, it always brings joy. And that's exactly what Ezra told those people at the end of the day. Church is done. Go home. Celebrate. God forgives you. He's happy with you once more. And now the joy of the Lord will be your strength. 50,000 know that God still loves them. 50,000 people know that God has forgiven them. 50,000 people became people of the book once more, and they rejoiced. All right, so now we segue into the here and now, don't we? Because you know what really happened 2,500 years ago, that was a reformation. A whole nation discovers the word of God that's been lost for 124 years, a reformation, and it changed them. Huh. 500 years ago, the same thing happened with Martin Luther. In Luther's day, the word of God had been hidden from the masses for centuries. Martin Luther digs it up and begins proclaiming God's love and God's grace and the free gift of forgiveness and salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, people became people of the book once more. And that time, that Reformation changed the world. I believe that our nation could use another Reformation, don't you? Right now, today. Now, did you know that God is referenced five times in the Declaration of Independence? Religion is mentioned three times in the U.S. Constitution. In state constitutions, the word God is used 116 times. 52 out of the 55 founders of the Constitution were members of established churches. And in the granite of the Washington Monument are carved verses from Exodus, Isaiah, Zechariah, John, and Proverbs. And on the capstone... On the very top of the Washington Monument are found the Latin words laos deo, which mean God be praised. Think about that. 
the next time you see the Washington Monument on the top, God be praised. Once upon a time, both God and his word were known, revered, respected, believed in our land. America used to be the people of the book, but no more. Today, God's word is being assaulted and eroded whole chapters, pages, verses, torn out because our culture deems them to be what? Politically incorrect, whatever that is. And because the book that wrote the book on human morality, you know, how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to treat each other because that book has been trashed, is it any wonder our nation is such a mess? And I'm going to spare you the lecture you know, on crime today, hatred today, abortion, euthanasia, all the sexual uh, confusion and political corruption on both sides of the aisle. Instead, I will simply say, have you noticed the sadness? Have you noticed the sadness? I mean, it's like this thick blanket, this cloud, this, this sticky fog that covers everything and everyone. People don't smile, do they? People don't trust. Wrongs are remembered instead of forgiven. No one gives anyone else the benefit uh, of the doubt. You know, neighbors are worse than strangers, and random acts of kindness, well, those things aren't politically correct anymore either. People are simply sad. But that never happens to people of the book. You listen to how our episode in Nehemiah ends in verse 12 of chapter 8. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Our nation needs another reformation, doesn't it? Our nation needs to become the people of the book. Again, God's people and experience God's joy, and that begins with you and me. Reformations always begin with you and me. And so I want you to ask yourself today, are you a person of the book? Is the word of God an important part of your life? If it's not, why not? Is your family a family of the book? Do your kids see you, mom and dad, do they see you reading God's word in some way, uh, shape, or form? Do you read it? Do you talk about it as a family? Do you come to God's house like you are today? Praise the Lord and hear it together. If you do, I promise that not only do you know God, but you know joy. The joy of knowing that God loves you. The joy of being forgiven. The joy of having the privilege of passing that forgiveness around. The joy of knowing that God has a plan for you. The joy of knowing Jesus. The joy of knowing that Jesus has made certain that this life is not the only life that you will ever live. We need another reformation, don't we? So I ask you, won't you become a person and a people of the book once more and rejoice? Amen.
and the peace in Christ that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.